0: Let's get it going on the Locked on Thunder podcast on the Locked on Podcast Network, your teams every day, and there's a lot to get to on Locked on Thunder, brought to you by rockauto.com. I'm your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore it's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I, Les And it's Optimism Tuesday, so we're going to get into that to start the show. We're also going to discuss Russell Westbrook testing positive for COVID-19 and break down the Utah Jazz. Let's start, though, with Optimism Tuesday. Now, there's a lot, and I mean a lot, of negativity going on right now in the world. So from now on, let's take every single Tuesday on this Locked on Thunder podcast, which is brought to you every single day, let's take every single Tuesday to take a step back and look at one topic with a glass-half-full point of view. And today, what better topic to look at to start off Optimism Tuesday than Andre Robertson? And for those of you who have listened to these shows the last couple of weeks, you know that I'm more so on the pessimistic side when it comes to Andre Robertson. I would expect him... Not to play whenever we first got this news. And as the days have gone on, I've also improved on my optimism of him playing games. Now, I'm, I'm still on the fence about whether he'll play more than 10 minutes or if he'll be the same player that he once was. So, right now as we sit, realistically, I'm sitting at about a 70 to 75% chance that he does play in games. I'm still not sure how good he will be, but let's spend today thinking about the best possible outcome. And the reason I'm so positive he'll play, how I moved up so quickly from under 50% to 50-50 and now all the way up to almost 80% that he will play, is what I talked about on Monday's show. Not only is he practicing, and yesterday on marked the third straight day that he practiced. Not only is that happening, but the players, his teammates, are going to the media And they're putting this pressure on him to play. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but this is unlike the past few comebacks that we've seen. The players that are talking to the media are not saying, hey, wait a second, it'd be nice if he came back. We're just hoping he can come back. Lou Dort, Chris Paul, they're all saying he looks good. He looks ready to go. We can't wait to add him back to this team, to this lineup. They're making it sound like he is a 100%er and that he is ready to contribute to this team. And that pressure from within is not something that Andre has gotten since the injury. And the fact that the organization and his teammates feel comfortable enough to put that to him tells me that he's truly ready this time. This time is different. The question is how different is it? So let's continue down this path of optimism. He's practiced for three straight days. He does not have a knee brace on his knee. He does not have any sort of compression sleeve or any protection on that knee. He's been in full contact practices. Uh, On Sunday, they didn't have a contact practice for anyone. So obviously, he did not do contact on that day. Uh, But he has been involved in everything the Thunder have done. And that is not normal for Andre since the injury. Even going back to this training camp on Media Day, he tells us he's a 100% full go. Four days later, He's sitting out of practices. He's He never touched the floor in the preseason, and we haven't seen him since. This does truly seem different to me. So let's work under the assumption he will play. Now, I've been on record saying I think that he'll take a bit of a step back. He won't be that 100% you know, best of the best defender. And when he takes that step back, he will not improve offensively. Therefore, he becomes a player who it's hard to find minutes for if he cannot contribute offensively and he's not the best defender in the NBA. While he does do some things good offensively, like cutting and setting screens and things like that, the bottom line is he ruins your flow and your spacing. But let's take a look at it from the other side, because a lot of you do view this on the other side of myself. A lot of you are expecting Andre to come back, and some of you are expecting him to start. Some of you are expecting him to play starter level minutes and to be a shutdown lockdown guy on superstars in this league, such as LeBron James, such as, you know, Kawhi Leonard. I think that he can have a few good defensive possessions. I think it'll be limited to about 10 minutes realistically, but let's be optimistic and say that does happen that he comes back. He's taken these two years to get 100%. That way he'll hit the ground running when he does return and he'll be back to his normal form. If that happens, this team becomes scary. It really does. It becomes um, better, I think, than what they were when he was injured. And they were a really, really good team when he got injured. With, with uh, Russell Westbrook and Paul George and Carmelo Anthony, they were a really good team before he got injured. That's how optimistic I am if we can see 100% of Andre Robertson. Like many of you think we will. So let's go down the path of Andre returning to that top-of-the-line defensive form where he's legitimately in the conversation for being the best defender in the NBA, where he's matching up against the number one guy on the opposition while you have Paul George on your team. That kind of good defender. It creates turnovers, it creates defensive stops, and he has the level to shut down LeBron and Kawhi. You've put that into this offense, which presents the most free-flowing, presents the most movement, presents the most schematic advantages than he's ever played in. It's going to sound like a shot at Russell Westbrook, but it's not. He's never played with a point guard like this. He's never played with shooters like Gallo. He's never played with guys that can spread the floor and help him do the things he does best. He he can't shoot. He cannot shoot a lick. But he's an excellent cutter. He's an excellent guy at getting to the basket. If he feels comfortable exploding off of that knee, if he feels comfortable with the backdoor cuts, with some pick and rolls, He can add a wrinkle to this offense rather than what he was with Russell Westbrook and with Kevin Durant and with Paul George even. Because that was a ton of iso ball. And when you're playing iso ball, the rest of your players are standing around. And when Andre Robertson is standing around, you're not guarding him. You're not defending Andre at the three-point line. You know that he's either A, going to be too scared to shoot, or if he does shoot, it's not going in. You're not guarding him. You're standing at the block while he's at the corner. So in this offense, where you're encouraging movement, you're encouraging guys to switch spots on the floor, cut to the basket, things like that. It does, it does play into Andre's strengths more than an offense led by Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, Paul George, and the like. And that's not to say, again, that those guys I just named are bad. It's just saying that this offense, even marginally, plays better into Andre's strengths. So if you want to look at this for the first Optimism Tuesday ever, and if you want to look at this with, with a glass-half-full mentality and, and what's the best-case scenario here, if he can return and be the guy to defend LeBron James and you get good defense from him on LeBron – and Adams on and Noel on AD then it goes back to what Olivia and I talked about on Friday this team can make the western conference finals as crazy as that sounds and that's why i think a lot of you are so excited about this proposition is because you do enjoy thinking about this team making that western conference finals run and with Andre it's possible without Andre you, you you dramatically decrease the odds and you're at like 10% maybe. So I understand the optimism. I understand why it's easy right now to just assume Andre will not only return, but return to the same form he was prior to the injury. It's a long road ahead. And this by no means is saying that he's going to do that. We're just simply taking a moment here, uh, the first segment of this show here, to be... P- optimistic to be positive and to think about what could happen if he does return to 100%. And I've got to tell you, we'll talk about what's happening with the Lakers later on the show, with their injury history, with the guys opting out. This team with Andre if he's 100%, it would not surprise me if they upset the Lakers. And and that's crazy to say right now. If there's any Lakers fans listening right now, that's crazy to say. But it's true. If Andre's 100% The problem is, that is a humongous if. And that's an if I don't even think will happen, but it's Optimism Tuesday. After the break, we're going to run down with the Utah Jazz, how the Thunder match up with Utah, and we're going to start our series breaking down the pathway for the Thunder in the playoffs right after this.
1: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: So I talked about it yesterday. We're going to spend the rest of this week and the first two days of next week breaking down every possible playoff opponent in the Western Conference for the Oklahoma City Thunder as we start to preview the restart and get ready for the postseason. Let's start with the Utah Jazz, who right now, if the season was going straight to the postseason, like many of us thought it might in this restart, they would be playing the Utah Jazz. And this is where the NBA season left off, with Oklahoma City getting ready to play Utah at Chesapeake Energy Arena. And... Literally, moments before tip off, we know the story. Rudy Gobert tests positive and they call the game. Everyone, I think, predicted the Thunder to win that game. The Thunder had the momentum to win that game after a humongous win in Boston. Utah was falling apart at that stretch of the season. It was setting up for the Thunder to be the fourth seed in the Western Conference. A team that had a 0.2% chance of making the postseason was going to be a top four seed. In the tough Western Conference, so so far this series, this season rather, these two teams have only played two games, and that was a 109 to 95 loss on Game One, and a 104 90 win in December by the Thunder. Now, the the Game One, they only lost by five points, and we all know that this team in you know from the first you know month of the season looked totally different between then and Thanksgiving. I mean, on Thanksgiving, they really started turning things around. Christmas, they, they hit that next level, and they never looked back. So we can throw out, I think, and this isn't a home or take, I think you can throw out game one for everyone around the NBA, but especially this Thunder team that has seen such overhauls since then. The 104-91 in December is more indicative of what I think we would expect to happen in the restart and in the bubble, And, you know, that, that, of course, would have been the third matchup in Oklahoma City that night. Uh, And instead, those two teams will square off in the bubble on August 1st. That will be Oklahoma City's first game. It'll be Utah's second game. Utah will start the bubble against New Orleans. But let's talk about this matchup. Because for some reason, people are being very, very lazy with their sports takes. And I, I really don't like that. Because if you're put in a position to make money off of sport takes, you really should have... You know, not only good ones, but you should have informed ones. Uh, you know, as myself, I, you know, I, I wouldn't expect you to listen to this show if I was making money off of doing what some of the national media media members are doing right now between Utah and Oklahoma City, because it's simply lazy in a time period in which we have more access to information, more access to tangible reasons why uh, uh, one team is better than the other, why you could look at Utah and consider them a favorite over Oklahoma City is really telling on yourself. You're, you're telling on yourself that you're only looking at the standings because I think everyone who paid attention to the NBA from game one to the stopping point knew that Oklahoma city was a better team. They knew Oklahoma city was a better team. So let's go through the reasons why, despite Utah being four and Oklahoma city being five, that Oklahoma city is not only the better team, but I expect Oklahoma city to overtake Utah in the bubble. So Utah is now going to be without Boyan Bogdanovich, who was their key offensive threat this season. On an offense that scuttered and scuffled throughout the year, wasn't a good offense this season. Boyan was their was their lone bright spot. He bailed them out time and time and time again, and you take that out of that offense and they get even worse. Mike Conley, who I thought was going to be a huge addition I thought that was going to take Utah to the next level. That Mike Conley pick up whenever it happened for Memphis. I thought that was going to be massive. He never has fit into this system. He's never fit with Utah. That's been a waste of an addition. And I think that Utah would be better off right now with Ricky Rubio. And that's not saying Rubio is a better player, just a better fit for Utah. And then you get into what happened at the end of the season. You have Rudy Gobert who was so arrogant about this COVID stuff. He was touching microphones and touching the table, making a joke out of COVID and out of the social distancing and things like that. He was touching everyone's microphone on the table he was doing all that shenanigans apparently in the locker room he was doing the same thing and touching other players personal belongings to show uh, that he thought uh, apparently covid was not was a hoax or whatever or or even just messing around with his teammates either way whenever you do that and then you turn up positive for covid that's not going to go over well for anyone and especially not Donovan mitchell who has admitted to them having an issue at one point. Now they're obviously going to say it's all kumbaya right now, uh, given the fact that they've got to live together pretty much, and they've got to play basketball together. But I refuse to believe that that relationship is perfect. I, I really do. And you look at what happened even prior to that. So throw away the childish annex from Rudy Gobert and look at just on the floor. This season on the floor, Rudy Gobert was not playing that intimidating level of defense. He was not playing that, that, Peak level defense that he was once able to. He was not locked in defensively, and a lot of that people speculated had to do with him not getting the touches he wanted offensively. But he clearly took a drop off from from the defensive side of the floor. From what we saw a couple years ago in the postseason to now, he looked like a totally different player. At times, he looked disengaged. He looked like he didn't care what happened on defense. And this is a guy who has made a whole career. Based on his defensive prowess and for him to look like he did not care defensively showed me this team has a lot of problems. So I'm not sure how you look at this Utah versus Oklahoma city matchup and pick Utah as the favorite other than what you're doing is you're looking at the standings. Oklahoma city is a better offense. I think this year they have a better coach. I think this year they have a better leader in Chris uh, Chris Paul. I think this year they have the better young player in Shea. I think this year they have a better defense working together, especially if you get Andre Robertson back, if you want to go back to Optimism Tuesday. You lose Boyan, and this is a totally different ball club. I think what we're going to see in these eight games is that Utah and Oklahoma City won't even match up with each other. I think that we'll see Utah take a huge fall in the bubble and they're going to end up with a low seed in this restart when it's all said and done. But to look at this matchup and expect Utah to be the favorite is laughable to me. You're you're either a homer or you're not doing your proper research. Because you look at what this team has done since the middle of November until now. You look at what they've done with Lou Dort, who, by the way, has not practiced with this team since August until they got to Disney World, and he was still that effective as a starter. Looking at this Thunder team, there is not an aspect in which I think Utah's better. Quinn Snyder, I think, is a heck of a coach. I think this year, Billy Donovan is doing more for the Thunder than he's doing for the Jazz. I think this year, surprisingly enough, Oklahoma City is a deeper team. I think this year... They have a better starting five, especially without Boyan for Utah. I don't see it with Utah. And there's going to be plenty of teams later on uh, that I think the Thunder match up terribly with. I do not see it with Utah. I don't see how you can make the argument that Utah is going to be better than Oklahoma City. Unless you're just blindly looking at the standings. Let me know what you guys think about the Utah series at Ryland underscore styles on Twitter. That's at R Y L A N underscore S T I L E S. And we're going to talk about all of the possible first round matchups as well as the possible second round matchups next week. But this is going to be fun. Today we did Utah tomorrow. We're going to do Denver and then so on down the line for Houston, Dallas, LA teams next week and things like that. So that's Utah again. I don't see it. I think that, If you're paying attention to basketball, and again, this is not me trying to be a homer, if you're paying attention to basketball, Oklahoma City is clear in a way the better team. And furthermore, none of the players who collapsed last year in the postseason or the year before that in the postseason are here. You can say Steven Adams did not perform well in the postseason, and there's a lot of reasons to to attribute that to rather than him just not being a postseason player. Banged up. Tired guy. For the most part, though, the rest of these guys performed well. And this is a team unlike any other, other in Oklahoma City. They don't rely on iso ball. They don't rely on your turn, my turn. For the first time in what feels like the, the franchise's history, I really like this ball club, and I think that the Thunder are absolutely – a second round team. And I think if they fall short of the second round again, and they again cannot reach that plateau short of uh, any sort of extenuating injuries in these eight games, if they fail to reach that second round, it will be a failure of a season. And that goes even further to the point of how good this Thunder team is, that you can look at a team that started this season as house money, that started this season with no expectations, and that started the season with Thunder fans saying, you know what, it'll actually be good to to refresh ourselves and to relax and to watch games for fun rather than watching games to compete. And now we're putting the expectation on them uh, of a second-round appearance for the first time since Kevin Durant left. And them having a goal that is, you know, that could create them to be a failure of a season. Now, it won't really feel like a failure because, again, it goes back to what we said uh, back in August of of this team just being uh, a fun team to root for, and you don't really care what happens. This is not a team that's supposed to win anything. But still, this team's good enough and should reach that second round, and I think that they're much better than Utah. I I would go as far to say Utah's going to be the easiest series uh, in the first round if if they got matched up with Utah in that first round, which I don't think that they will. But I think that that would be my choice. Of I want Utah. That would be my perfect dream scenario uh, is to play Utah. I really do. So let me know what you guys think about Utah on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles. If you don't have Twitter, email the show L O at gmail.com. After the break, we're going to talk about the NBA and their pregame outfit rules, as well as Russell Westbrook in the Houston Rockets and Rondo in the Lakers.
1: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: So the NBA put out last night that they're changing the pregame outfit rules due to bubble and they wanted players to get on the bus and travel to the arena in their full uniform uh, and and their warmups and things like that Uh, and that would eliminate the pregame outfits that we see these players uh, really brand themselves with and and really uh, it's an aspect of the game now you're excited to see what guys like Shea are going to wear to the game you're excited to see what guys like Russell Westbrook are going to wear to the game I mean There's as many off-court moments leading into the game with Russ as there are on-court moments, and and that's saying a lot because he has a ton of on-court moments. I mean, you can think of the uh, that game that he wore those uh, extremely tight leather pants, the the you can't win with his cat shirt, uh, adopt a cat shirt I should say, uh, the photographer (laughs) vest thing. Uh, You can go down the list with, with. Uh, both Russ and Shea and a lot of players that are around the NBA and it's helped grow the sport. It's helped make the sport recognizable, their players recognizable. It's actually done a ton for the sport, these pregame outfits and the NBA eliminated that last night. And as of three o'clock in the afternoon on Monday afternoon, they've already reversed course. And they've said, you know what, actually we're going to let these players uh, do what they want to do. They they can wear whatever they want to wear uh, to the arena and they can still change and everything in the locker room. Uh, it's just funny that they reverse course so quickly. Uh, if they didn't do this, I'd still expect Shay to go to the hotel lobby or something and take photos of whatever he's wearing before getting dressed before getting on the bus as a pre as a pre-bus trip to the lobby or something like that cuz Shay's just that kind of guy and he released a new logo today which was awesome, uh, but it's funny seeing the NBA already reverse course on this outfit rule change. So it'll be it'll be cool to see what Shea and these guys wear uh, to the arena. And I think that it can be a lot of funny Disney-themed stuff as well. Uh, but on a more serious topic in terms of the NBA, the Rockets are in disarray right now. They really are. So I said on Monday's show that Harden and Russ are not there. It also turns out that Luke Kambalamute is not there either. Uh, I also said on Monday that I would expect that you know Harden or Russ or somebody uh, might have COVID, but I wouldn't expect Russ to announce that. As someone who's as private as Russ, it doesn't seem like he'd be a guy to sign off on, on having his name out there with a positive test. Uh, but on Monday afternoon, he did he did release it. He said, "Hey, I've tested positive for COVID. I'm quarantining, and I cannot wait to rejoin the team in Disney World." Uh, it sounds like he's away from his family and 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 staying away from his wife and his kids and, and being safe with all that. Uh, but He also said he has no symptoms, so that should be good as well. He's feeling good. He said I should. he didn't say exactly no symptoms. He just said he's feeling good. So that's that's a positive sign, obviously. Uh, But he has COVID. You would expect James Harden to also have COVID if he's not there. I mean, I don't want to speculate too much about COVID, uh, but it doesn't make sense why Harden's not there. Uh, Luke Kambadamute is not there either. And if you remember, there was a team speculated with four unknown positive tests, Uh, but that was a long time ago. I mean, that was... Uh, if the Rockets were that team, they would have already been been through that 14-day period, I believe. So I'm not sure what's going on in, in Houston, but, well, I guess they're all in Orlando. But nonetheless, I'm not sure what's happening with the Rockets, but it doesn't sound good. I mean, anytime Russell Westbrook and James Harden uh, possibly have COVID, that's not going to be a good sign for you. And we talked about this yesterday. When these three players eventually do travel to Orlando, they're going to have to go through a two-day quarantine period in their hotel room. Uh, and have to eat that that prepackaged food that we talked about and things like that. But the bottom line is they cannot practice. They can't play for two days. And that puts them even further behind in terms of this restart in terms of getting ready. Uh, so it sucks. Russ has COVID. Who knows what's happening with James Harden and the other guys that aren't there in Houston. They also had one of their players accidentally break the bubble and now has to quarantine for eight days. So Houston has a problem right now with the Disney world restart, but Of course, we all wish Russell Westbrook the best. It sounds like he's healthy and he's fine. Uh, He says he feels great. I'm not sure if that truly means he's asymptomatic or not, but he feels great. So hopefully he is asymptomatic and he's doing just fine. He says he's ready to join the team, so I wouldn't speculate too much about him not playing, obviously, if he wants to rejoin the team. Uh, So we'll see when he can do that. We'll see when he can return and what this means, uh, not only for the Rockets, but for Oklahoma City and for the NBA as a whole, because the bottom line is this league is about stars and this restart is about money. And how do you get money? You get money by watching stars. So the more stars you can have opt in and play the better for everyone involved in the restart. So hopefully Harden and Russ will be okay. They'll play and everything will be fine here in a couple of days, but that's the update on the Rockets and the three guys that did not travel to Disney world with the Rockets. But we also have not seen anything from Kawhi. He's still not there as of the time I'm recording this right now. He's not in Disney World with the with the Clippers. We're not sure what's happening with Kawhi. And then in Denver, Gary Harris, Michael Porter Jr., Torrey Craig still have not made the trip to Orlando. And those are three prominent guys for the Nuggets. I mean, this is not off to a good start for some teams. You're missing... You're missing at least two prominent guys for the, for the Nuggets, and then whatever you think about Michael Porter Jr. Uh, is thrown in there as well, who played very well uh, this season, I might add. Uh, but I don't know what's going to happen with this. And, and like I said, the sooner the better for getting guys to return to the bubble uh, because you still have to go through that two-day period of doing nothing uh, before you can restart. But I did want to also talk about the Lakers, who the Thunder probably will match up with in the second round, uh, and that is that the Lakers point guard, Rajon Rondo, who we talked about yesterday calling the Disney world suites, a motel six has sustained an injury. He'll be out six to eight weeks. And that means that the Lakers will have to rely on JR Smith, Dion waiters and KCP in the meantime, because not only is Rondo out six to eight weeks, but so is Avery Bradley who opted out of the entire uh, bubble. So he's not going to be there at all. So they're down Avery Bradley. They're down Rondo. And now you move down the list of of looking at Jr. Smith, of looking at Deion Waiters, and looking at KCP. And if you want to put on that negative hat on Optimism Tuesday, the Lakers have a ton of guys with injury histories, and we're expecting a few guys to get hurt in Orlando. It's just the bottom line. You would hope no one gets hurt, but it just seems like the nature of the beast that someone will get hurt. Uh, and, and the Lakers are running out of depth right now uh, for as good of a team as they are. So we'll see what J.R. Smith and Deion Waiters and KCP can provide. But losing Rondo is a big deal. And, of course, Avery Bradley opting out is a big deal as well. So we'll see how the Lakers look. Uh, down the line here in the Disney World Restart. So that was a fun show. We talked about the Utah Jazz. We talked about the optimism around Andre Robertson. We also talked about the latest breaking news from Disney World. On tomorrow's show, we're going to talk more about Thunder practice and what's been going on with the Thunder in Disney World. We're also going to preview the Houston Rockets on tomorrow's show. So be good and be good to one another. We'll see you next time on Locked on Thunder.